Welcome to our show, the JLF podcast. We call it Jaipur Bites. This is your, like you said, tenth year at the festival. Yes. What do you remember from the first year, and what book were were you promoting back then? Oh, that was two thousand and ten, Lakshya. Uh, we were. Uh, I was an unknown, uh, and uh, uh, the organizers of JLF, particularly Namita Gokhale, reached out to me and said that, listen, you know, Chanakya's chant had just come out, mm-hmm. and at that point of time, uh, people were reading both Chanakya's chant as well as the Immortals of Meluha. so she said wouldn't it be interesting to have a session with you and amish tripathi together right and so that was that session that we uh, did together and both of us were newcomers into the industry and then somehow or the other year after year year after year i kept coming back to jlf and uh, somehow that tradition every mm. book in the bharat series after chanakya's chant has been launched at jlf mm-hmm. and you have maintained a a good cycle of coming out with new material new books every oh, yeah. every 2 years or so uh, yeah so the bharat series uh, this is the sixth book in the bharat series and uh, it has uh, been an average of about 2 years between books mm-hmm. uh, but in between that uh, there have also been crime thrillers with james patterson there yes. have been non fiction self help titles uh, almost about 5 or 6 of them so uh yeah the and the flow of books has has James been substantial Patterson, those co-author books were best sellers new york oh, yeah. times best sellers they were new york times best sellers uh, because i think for the first time suddenly there was that typical fast paced patterson trademarked style but mm-hmm. with very very indian themes mm-hmm. uh which was which was a combination that people hadn't experienced before so i mean it was rather amazing to have a james patterson styled novel mm-hmm. but talking about the nine forms of durga yes i mean you know right the we could actually talk about that specific uh, collaboration as well how has it we all know writing is a isolated experience of course what was it like to collaborate not only with another author but such a such a popular yeah. and prolific author who's who's also very good with getting books out very quickly so it was actually i must tell you it was surprisingly effortless uh because he has a very standard sort of mechanism which is normally that uh, james would write up a 40 page outline uh, of a story and then he would say now write it up yeah <laughs> and uh, uh but because he was working within the indian context he said listen i don't think that i have what it takes to be able to give you a story outline i think i need the story to come from you mm-hmm. and then i can assist in terms of the second stage which is writing up the first draft uh and so that's how we worked on both books uh with me doing the outline mm-hmm. then him working on the first draft and it coming back to me for the second draft so but there was a there was a coordination mm-hmm. in our uh, methodology and as i've always believed that it's very easy to sing sing solo but when you're singing as part of a duet mm-hmm. or you're singing as part of a choir then you have to watch each watch each other's notes like jazz precisely mm-hmm. it's almost a jugalbandi right. sorts and so uh, uh, if you really want to create harmony then you have to be conscious of the other person's voice mm-hmm. so 10th year at the festival yes what do you think has we'll do a two parter okay what do you think has changed in the audience in the 10 years that sure. you've been coming here and how has the author in you changed 
with the audience or at a different pace than the audience? There was a time 10 years ago where, you know, every platform that could be made available to an author, I wanted to take advantage of it. I saw my experience at JLF as one more avenue to market my books. Mm -hmm. Today, when I was signing books, a young lady came up to me, not a young lady, middle-aged lady. And she came up and she said that, you know, I've been watching you for several years at JLF. She said, but I see a tremendous quietening in you. I see a greater contentment. And maybe it's because I'm not trying that hard. Mm. Uh, I've, I've been truly blessed. I've got hundreds and thousands of adoring fans. Um, I have 13 books to my name. Um, for me, the, the, the joy is from the storytelling, that when I sit down in order to tell a story, then frankly, that's the journey that I'm looking for. In fact, in some ways, completion of the story is a bit of a letdown mm -hmm. because that journey is over. Right. Uh, so in that sense now, I'm actually finding that when I come to JLF, I'm enjoying that experience so much more because I'm one with the audience. When I'm sta sitting up there on the stage, I don't feel that they are separate from me. Mm -hmm. There is that in intense vibe between me and them. And that wasn't the case earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, the crowds have also undergone obviously a huge change. Uh, in the early days, it wasn't like this. I mean, it wasn't as if every tent was bursting at the seams. Mm -hmm. uh, so the numbers have obviously changed. Uh, but what I do find is also the demographic has changed. At one point of time, JLF used to be all about people who were seasoned readers. Mm -hmm. Today, there are a lot of people who walk in and they, you know, I mean, when I was signing books at the signature desk, a lot of people came up to me and said, I haven't read you before, but because I heard you, I want to now pick you up. Yeah, yeah. That used to rarely happen at JLF because people who came to listen to you were already your readers. Mm. I, that happened with me last year with uh, Andre Asiman. Mm -hmm. He was here promoting Call Me mm -hmm. By Your Name and I had never read the, I seen the movie. Mm -hmm. I hadn't read the book, mm. and then I was trying to, I thought maybe I'll get a, buy the book, get a book signed. The line was uh, 300 people, and I was like, now I have to get the book. Yeah. And then I ended up getting him on the podcast, so we ended up talking about the sequel, which he which just came out. But coming back to, let's talk about The Vault of Vishnu. This is sure. the latest entry into the Bharat series. Yes. How did the inception of this idea, how long ago was it, did you know with, which was the, I'm sorry, the, the, the last, last book one? was Keepers of the Kal Chakra. Yes. Did you know this one was going to be next? Uh, I knew for a fact that I was going to be writing a book which would, uh, which would look at the concept of Bharat beyond its geographical borders. Mm -hmm. I knew that that was very much on the cards. That I wanted to look at the two-way flow of not just goods and services and merchandise, but I wanted to look at the flow of ideas and knowledge and philosophy and technology and science. So I wanted to look at that flow, mm. which was, again, very much an intrinsic part of the process of creation of Bharat. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I looked around me and I said, okay, but w w what is the natural space within which this sort of a story should be narrated? 
and I thought to myself, I said, you know, the, one of the greatest things that we contribute from India was Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And but the funny thing is that we only pollinated Buddhism in, into China, but it right. was then China which took it yeah. everywhere. They uh, made a whole was, garden. <laughs> exactly. It was almost like what they do with today's products and technology mm -hmm. where they where they take something very simple and then they manufacture it at a scale where then the whole world needs to consume it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, is, wasn't this a replay of that in some ways? Right. Uh, and then when I dug a little deeper, I realized it wasn't only Buddhism. Uh, there, were other, there were other products which went from India. Like, for example, South Indian martial arts, which contributed in a very big way to Kung Fu mm -hmm. and the evolution of Kung Fu. So I thought to myself, I said, wouldn't this be fascinating? And uh, the other part that was playing in my mind was I wanted to also look at uh, how the Pallavas in particular, because most of my books still now in the Bharat series have been focused on North Indian dynasties. Whereas I wanted to look at something which was related to either the Pallavas or the Cholas or, you know, one of the great South Indian dynasties. Because the truth of the matter is that the history of India is not about the history of North India. Mm -hmm. uh, the Deccan is forgotten. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you look at places like Vietnam, Cambodia and Thailand, and you see that there was so much of uh, Indian idea and Indian thought in, in all of those places. So I said, wouldn't it be great if I... And, you know, for me, the writing of a book always means tying threads, mm -hmm. taking disparate threads and sort of tying them together right. and then weaving it into some sort of a fabric, which then you you have that moment where you say, aha, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like, oh, how did he think of this? And that's what really led to the vault of Vishnu. When you're in the in the trenches of, of a novel. Do you create rules and then and find yourself breaking them when, when it comes to characters <laughs> and plot lines? And this is this is this is a selfish question because I write I write I write plays and I know it starts here and it ends here and it's gonna be this length. So yeah. those are my rules. But the characters sometimes end up breaking my rules. Yeah. So how how's that experience with you? So with me, I mean if you look at for the moment, since we are talking of Bharat series, let's look at the way I approach this. Mm -hmm. Typically two years between books. The first uh, two months of that two years is devoted to actually settling in on an idea. Mm. Uh, normally there will be three, four, five competing ideas uh, and I need to eventually filter that down to one. Right. The next two or three months is what I call preliminary research where I'll do a little bit of research, but not very deep research, into figuring out whether there is enough in that story to warrant a book. Mm. Uh, once I'm done with that, that, that's the time I'll go into an eight-month, nine-month process, which is intense research. Mm -hmm. uh, that could involve travel, it could involve interviewing people, it could involve learning a new subject. Uh, it could uh, involve sitting with translators because certain languages are not known to me. Right. It could involve reading material which is which I have not been exposed to. Uh, so it depends on the nature of the book. Once I'm done with that, typically two months is what I require for plotting. Hmm. My plotting is always done on Excel spreadsheets. Sounds very strange, really? but hmm. it's uh, every row on a spreadsheet is a chapter. 
and uh, the the second column is typically a summary a 200 word summary of what happens in that chapter uh, and probably there might be other columns devoted to things like for example what is the backdrop social economic cultural political there could be elements like for example the protagonist's age uh in order to make sure that i the timelines are matching up mm -hmm. uh and most importantly the last column will be the hook right uh that what is it that will propel the reader into the next chapter mm -hmm. uh so once i'm done with that then the easiest part is the writing actually which is about 6 yeah. months to 8 months long uh and out there it's almost like a child's coloring book because the outlines have already been done and the child then decides that does he need to use a blue crayon or a green crayon or a mm. red crayon but he's actually just coloring with the lines that are already there and that's what i end up doing at the time of writing but you know what sometimes even when you go into that stage you suddenly realize hey listen you know this is an additional red herring that i could throw in right uh this is a twist that i could manufacture so your plot outline will account for about 90% mm -hmm. but there will be 10% variation at the time that you actually sit down to write it because certain things will strike you mm -hmm. at the time of writing which hadn't struck you earlier and then in final two or three months in terms of rewrites the walter vishnu went through four rewrites mm. then subsequent edits polishing the rewrites so were after your editor's notes or no so the, the book was written then it in in the walter vishnu's uh, the case of the walter vishnu there was one rewrite by me right then there was one rewrite that happened post fact checking because once we did the fact checking we realized right. that there were a lot of things that we needed to tie up in terms of actual history yeah uh so that happened then after that it went to my first editor uh who has been there in all the bharat series books her name is preeta mehra lives in calcutta so she's the one who did the first edit uh and that encouraged me to do certain rewrites mm -hmm. and then it went in for a second edit with the publisher which is kartika and uh, uh at that point of time again we went through you know multiple iterations as it were so by the time that you're done with the bharat series book whether you like it or not you've revisited that manuscript at least about 10 or 12 times right right are you able to let go once it's done surprisingly yes uh i i tend to have a far lesser emotional involvement and entanglement with my book once it's done mm -hmm. and once it's out in the uh, on the bookshelves now it's the audiences now it's the audiences mm -hmm. who need to figure out as to whether they, there is a connect with them or not mm -hmm. uh, at this point of time ashwin sanghi the writer has ceased to exist at this point of time it is ashwin sanghi the marketer Who, who will remain the marketer for the next three months or so, mm. uh, doing the bookstore routine, doing the event routine, doing the social media routine, uh, doing the bookstore visits, all of that. Yeah. Uh, and then after three months, I'll hang up my marketing hat and I'll put on my writer's hat and I'll go back to a new story. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ashwin, thank you so much for being on the show. It's hard to tell, but we're sixteen minutes in already. No, I I enjoy talking with you because one is I think it's easier to talk from one writer to another. Yeah. Because we face the same issues. Uh, True. That how much of your original outline do you follow? Uh, where does that initial inspiration strike you from? Uh, how many 
how many uh, drafts do you need to produce a great work yeah the issues are the same and in that sense i have really enjoyed talking with you thank, thank you. you so much i use this podcast to basically you know learn from the best <laughs> no i but, you know i have always joked and it there is a there is a tremendous element of truth in it all of us are work in progress mm. and frankly when i write a book all i'm looking for is a 2% improvement over my last work so frank i've always maintained that i'm a bad writer i'm a fairly decent storyteller and i'm a fairly decent rewriter mm. uh and i keep my expectations absolutely real Oh, that as long as there is a connect with my audiences, as long as those books have moved off the shelves, as long as there are people coming back and saying, "Hey, listen, what a story! It kept me up till three in the morning. I've done my job." Then after that, I leave it to Almighty God. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Lakshya. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Jaipur Bites. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. Jepper Bites is a Launchora production. Producers of Story Talking with Laksh, The Visionary Podcast, Jazz India Circuit Podcast, Poetry Darbar, and most recently, Play Me Life. All our shows are available on all major podcast apps. Once again, I'm your host Laksh Datta, and thank you for listening. Thank you.